All right, so we are concluding this sermon series that we've been in on the disciples' path. We've been talking about this idea that discipleship is a journey, that it's a path. You know, Jesus didn't just come to show us the way. Jesus said that He is the way. And when we think about Christian discipleship, we should think of it in those terms. As Ben was saying, it's a relationship and it's a journey. It's a relational journey with Jesus. And that journey we've been talking about has two dimensions. There's an inward and an outward dimension. So as we have been thinking about coming to Christ in worship and growing into Christ-likeness in small groups, those are sort of the inward part of that journey where we are worshiping the Lord, we are growing in our faith, but then we turn to the outward journey. And we began that a little bit in the last sermon as we talked about serving Christ out of love for others. And Jesus said one of the best ways we can love and serve Him is by how we love and serve others in His name. And God has placed each of us as believers, as Christians, we are each placed within the body of Christ, the church. And God has put us where He wants us. He has shaped us so that we are serving Him as we serve each other in those unique ways. Today we're going to complete that circle of our disciples' path. We're going to completely focus on this outward journey. We are in that inward journey of being disciples, but then there's that outward journey of making disciples. We need to go and tell others the good news. We need to go for Christ and make disciples. Before we begin, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we are so thankful for this series of messages and the reminder that you have given us through them of what you desire for us to be and do as disciples of Jesus, Lord, that we are to come together with our brothers and sisters in Christ and worship You, that we are to grow uh, together in Christ's likeness as we study Your Word, that we are to serve one another out of love as You have shaped each and every one of us. And now, Father, as we think about this commission that You have given us, this command to go and make disciples of all nations, Father, we pray Your Spirit would speak to us through Your Word. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, without that outward journey of making disciples, the inward journey of being a disciple really just leaves us frustrated because it's like like we become so inwardly focused, we become ingrown, and, and that's never healthy. You know, if you have an ingrown nail or an ingrown hair or whatever, it's painful. It's not a good thing, and it's not a good thing when churches and Christians are ingrown. If we don't have that outlet to take what Jesus is teaching us and what He's doing in our life to shine that outward and to share that with other people. We can't be vibrant, healthy, growing Christians. And our mission is what we heard in our New Testament reading this morning, the Great Commission. Now, I've preached on this before, so I just want to give you a quick recap, a quick review. If you just look in your notes there, uh, we can think about the Great Commission in this way. There's one command, and that command is to make what? Disciples. Make disciples. That's the only command in that passage. But then Jesus gives us three principles, three ways in which we carry out that command of making disciples. First, He tells us it involves going. It involves going. We intentionally pursue people. We are intentionally, as we go about our lives, looking for opportunities to share the gospel and tell other people about Jesus. So there's the going. Then there's the baptizing. Once they come to faith in Christ... We want to involve them in the life of the church. We want to bring them into the family to worship and to grow and to be disciples with us, to join us on this disciples' path. And then third, teaching them. 
God wants us to then invest in them by personally discipling them and helping them to not just learn what Jesus commanded, but to obey what Jesus commanded. So one command, three principles, and then Jesus gives us three promises. Okay, Two of them are right there in Matthew 28, and then we're going to look at the passage the third one comes from in a moment. But the three promises that Jesus gives us is His authority. We go in His authority. We are His ambassadors. He gives us the promise of His presence, that He goes with us wherever we go. He's preparing the way for us. And then He promises us His power. He will enable us to do what He commands us to do. Now, that third promise comes from a passage we're going to look at in a moment in the book of Acts. The book of Acts recounts the story of the Holy Spirit's work in and through the followers of Jesus as the church is birthed, as the gospel is carried from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. And really, Acts 1.8, which is another giving of this great commission that Jesus gave right before He ascended to heaven, is an outline for the book of Acts, and it's an outline for how we are to go and make disciples. Jesus said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we are enlisted and empowered to be Jesus' witnesses to the ends of the earth. And His presence, His authority, and His power go with us. That's our mission. As a church, we summarize it in our mission statement, loving God, loving people, and making disciples for Jesus from all generations. So this morning, I want us to look at a few key moments in the book of Acts that can help us see how we can go make disciples in the power of the Holy Spirit. First, we see that the Spirit enables us to make disciples. The first place in Acts that we read about the Holy Spirit enabling believers is on the day of Pentecost, the birth of the church. It says in Acts 2-4, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The Spirit enabled them. Now this is certainly a miraculous moment where the Spirit enabled these early disciples to be able to speak to people in a language they previously didn't know. All of a sudden, they're out there speaking in languages they didn't know, they'd never heard, and people are understanding the gospel and coming to faith in Jesus. So imagine that you go to speak to somebody from China that doesn't know English, and all of a sudden, you're speaking Mandarin. And they understand what you're saying. I mean, it would truly be miraculous, wouldn't it? And, and, you know, this does still happen around the world. There are some fascinating accounts of missionaries that are going to unknown people groups, and they try to just start talking to these people, and the people understand them, and it's miraculous. Now, that is obviously a rare occurrence, and in fact, this is the only place in the Bible where something like this happens. So what principle can we take out of this? If we aren't to walk around expecting to all of a sudden start speaking in, you know, Hindi or German or whatever that we don't know, how can we apply this passage to our experience of sharing the gospel? Well, a few things. One, it tells us that when the Spirit enables us, He enables us to communicate the gospel effectively. We can communicate the gospel effectively. Listen, anytime I go to share the gospel with someone, and, and trust me, it's going to have to be in English. You can ask Julia. I, I, you know, I try to speak some Spanish. I'm working on Duolingo, learning Spanish, and I can't. You know, my Southern East Tennessee accent just won't let me do justice to it. You know, so if I'm speaking the gospel, it's going to be in English. But the Spirit helps me to contextualize what I'm saying. Okay, you know, a canned presentation 
is better than nothing. But as Ben was saying, the best way for us to share the gospel is to make it personal. Right? To share from our heart. To, to share the personal experience that each one of us has had with Jesus Christ. And, and we do that by relying on the Holy Spirit's power to help me. So if I'm going to share the gospel with someone, I want the Spirit to help me think about, is this an adult or a child? Because that will determine how I share the gospel. Is this somebody who has a church background or who never went to church? Again, that changes my approach. Is this a skeptic or a seeker? Is there something in this person's life that could be a hindrance for them? Maybe a, they've had a bad church experience. Maybe they've experienced abuse. Maybe they have been hurt in some way. They're struggling with a broken marriage. They're overcoming an addiction. All of these things change the way in which I might share the gospel. It doesn't change the gospel, but it changes how I approach sharing it with that person. So the Holy Spirit can give us that kind of insight, that kind of wisdom, and this is what Paul is referring to in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 when he said, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I become like a Jew. To win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. So as to win those under the law. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak, I become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. What Paul is saying is the Holy Spirit enables us to meet people where they are so that we can share the gospel with them in such a way that they will hear it, understand it, and hopefully believe it. So the Spirit enables us to communicate effectively. Secondly, the Spirit enables us to share Jesus boldly. In Acts chapter 4, verses 29 through 31, we read this, and, and this is, uh, you know, thousands of people have come to faith in Jesus on the day of Pentecost. Things are growing great. The church is exploding with growth. More and more people are coming to faith in Jesus. The apostles are working miracles all over the place, and they're, they're growing in favor with everything. Things are going great until the Sanhedrin becomes a little jealous. And so they arrest Peter and John for preaching about Jesus and command them not to speak or heal in His name or teach in His name anymore. And they suddenly realize, well, maybe this is going to be a little bit harder than we thought it would be. And so we come to Acts 4, 29 and 30, when the disciples gather together and they pray, and they say, And now, Lord, consider their threats, and grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand for healing, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. When they had prayed, it says, the place where they were assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the Word of God boldly. The Spirit enabled them, almost like a, an echo of the day of Pentecost, with the room shaking, and they were being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the New Testament interchangeably uses phrases like live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit. These are all different ways of saying to be filled by the Spirit in such a way that it changes the way you live your life. And that's what God desires for each of us. And, and, and if we are people who are being filled with the Spirit every day, we are going to be people who can share Jesus boldly. The Spirit enables us to do that. And then finally, the Spirit enables us to speak and serve wisely. You turn with me to Acts chapter 6. Early on, the church began to encounter some internal disputes. Imagine that. You know, church people can't, can't get along and argue with each other. And it was internal disputes over these, these widows that felt like they were being excluded from the ministries of the church. They didn't feel like their needs were being met. 
because they weren't Jewish, they were Greek believers. And so they, they were some, the, the unity of the church was being threatened. So the apostles who were busy with praying and preaching and leading this new Jesus movement, they decided they needed to bring some godly, dedicated servant leaders to work alongside them with a focus on serving the needs of the body and maintaining the unity of the church. And because these men would be so crucial in helping to preserve the unity of the body, they needed to be people who could serve with wisdom and faithfulness. And so we read in Acts 6, look at verses 3 and 4. It says, uh, Brothers and sisters, this is the apostles speaking, Select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. And we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. These were the first deacons, the first men called to come alongside these apostles and pastors to help to serve the body of Christ and maintain the unity of the church. And notice that with the filling of the Holy Spirit came wisdom. And we're not just talking about like just, you know, common sense kind of wisdom. We're talking about a supernatural wisdom. Look at verses 9 and 10. It says, Opposition arose. However, from some members of the Freedmen's Synagogue, composed of both the Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and some from Cilicia and Asia, and they began to argue with Stephen. Stephen was one of those first seven deacons. But they were unable to stand up against his what? His wisdom and the spirit by whom he was speaking. That's the kind of wisdom that we need to address opposition to Christ today, to address those who want to argue and oppose Christ. And if we're going to speak wisely to those who are challenging the gospel, then we need to follow Peter's admonition. Peter said in 1 Peter 3.15, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And while studying the Bible is key to that, and even reading good Christian books can help you address those challenges and explain the Bible, what we need more than anything is the wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit. God gives us that wisdom. We need to rely on Him. James says in James 1.5 that if we lack wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to Him. So if you feel like that you're just not up to the task, of having a gospel conversation and sharing Jesus with someone, you think, I just don't know that I can explain it well, I don't know that I can answer all their questions. You're putting too much trust in you and not enough trust in the Holy Spirit. It's not your wisdom, it's His wisdom. It's not your power, it's His power. It's not your effectiveness, it's His effectiveness. It's not your boldness, it's His boldness in you. Rely on the Holy Spirit to enable you to carry out the Great Commission. Now, before we move on, I want us to notice two things about this Great Commission and how the Spirit enables us. The first is that it's all-inclusive. This isn't something that's just for the professionals, the experts, the professors and the missionaries and the pastors. Lee Scarborough, one of the greatest Baptist preachers and evangelists, said, the divine obligation of soul winning rests without exception upon every child of God. The Christian receives the essence of this obligation and call at the time of his salvation. Sharing the gospel, making disciples, isn't just something for the pastors to do. It's not just something for the deacons to do. It's not just something for the Sunday school teachers to do. It's something for every single believer in Jesus Christ to do. 
The Great Commission is given to all of us. It's all-inclusive. And secondly, it's all-encompassing. You know, we can, uh, we can mistakenly think that evangelism and missions are just programs of the church. Right? They're things that the church does. Sunday school, team kid, tiny kid, BBS, upward basketball. It even has its own committee, the go-and-tell committee. And while we can have programs and events and campaigns that can help us accomplish the Great Commission to go and tell our neighbors and the nations about Jesus Christ, evangelism is more than just a program. It's more than an event. It is our assignment. It is our purpose. It is the reason that we live. Every one of us, every aspect of our life is to be in fulfilling the Great Commission. Everything we as a church does should have as its ultimate goal to fulfill the Great Commission. Amen? The Spirit enables us. Secondly, the Spirit instructs us in making disciples. He not only gives us the power, He gives us the know-how. He gives us the steps. The Spirit instructs us for using that power that He gives us on where to go. He tells us where to go. In Acts chapter 8, if you look at Acts chapter 8, we see the Holy Spirit give Philip, again, one of those, one of those uh, deacons, he gives Philip specific instructions on where to go. In Acts chapter 8, look at verse 29. The Spirit told Philip, go join that chariot. I mean, that's pretty specific. Not just go in a general sense, but go to that person. And then we see in verse 39, when they came up out of the water after he had led that person to Christ and baptized them, it says the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him any longer, but went on his way rejoicing. And there are examples throughout the book of Acts where the Spirit led Peter and led Paul to specific people and places that they were to go. And even at times prohibiting them from going to a place that wasn't yet ready to hear the gospel. Listen, that same Spirit lives within you and me. The same Spirit of God indwells us to guide us to those people that He is preparing to hear the gospel. But we have to open our eyes, don't we? We have to open our ears to, to see God's hand guiding us, to hear His voice whispering to us, go to this person, go to that person. And if we will watch and listen, I believe that God's Spirit will indeed guide us to the people and the opportunities that He gives us to share the gospel with other people. There are people all around us that are just waiting for us to be obedient to God and to share Jesus with them. They're hungry for it. They're thirsty for it. And they're waiting for us. And this goes back to a principle that I talked about in the last sermon, that principle of proximity. You know, how are we to serve? So many needs to meet. One of the principles is proximity. We start with the people that God has put around us, and we go from there. And we see that in Acts 1.8. We begin in Jerusalem. We go to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So God is calling each one of us simultaneously to reach our neighbors and the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Spirit goes on to tell us how to do that. Not just where to go, but he tells us what to do. What are we to do? Following Jesus and helping others follow Jesus isn't easy. It's not cut and dry. It can get pretty messy sometimes. But thankfully, God is a God of grace. And if we mess up, He's a God of grace. He gives us second chances. Amen? He's not sitting up there with the grade book. How well did you do sharing the gospel with that person? 
Whatever effort we give, He can take it and bless it and multiply it. And He gives us a lot of freedom in how each one of us carry out that great commission. There's a lot of room for how we can share the gospel with other people. There's no one-size-fits-all formula for making disciples. But there are a few constants that we see reflected throughout the New Testament. There are at least three ways that for every one of us, the Holy Spirit instructs us what to do. He instructs us first to pray. We must pray. Pray for your own efforts to make disciples. Pray for those people that you're going to share Jesus with, that He'd be preparing their hearts. Pray for those who are going to go in your place to reach others that you can't reach. Prayer is essential to evangelism. Paul often asked others to, he says, pray for me also, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Maybe you've had that kind of experience. I tell you, I have. There have been times I've been witnessing to people and scriptures come to my mind and analogies come to my mind and I find myself saying these things and I'm like, that's pretty good. Wow, I need to remember that and write that down. It didn't come from me. It came from Him. He will give us the words to speak. Paul often prayed for the gospel to bear fruit, to grow around the world. But you know what Paul did with his prayers? He put his prayers to work. He didn't just sit and pray and do nothing. He then got up and he went and he made disciples and he preached the gospel and he planted churches. So as Christians and as a church, we rightly should spend time praying for missionaries. We should have weeks of prayer like we're having this week, a week of prayer for Mission Georgia. But we can't stop at just prayer. We start at prayer. We have to start at prayer, but we must never stop at prayer. So secondly, he tells us we must give. We must give. Through our tithes and offerings, we support efforts to reach our neighbors right here in McDuffie County and to help equip those going to the nations to spread the good news and make disciples around the world through your tithe. You support the cooperative program of the Southern Baptist Convention through Lottie Moon offerings at Christmas and Annie Armstrong at Easter. You further support Southern Baptist missionaries that are helping us reach our neighbors in North America and helping us reach the nations around the world. Through the Go and Tell Fund that we emphasize throughout the year, we further work with Smoky Mountain Resort Ministries, Disaster Relief, the Southern Baptist World Hunger Fund, the, the Georgia Baptist Children's Home, our own mission trips to Honduras, and the work we do right here in McDuffie County to help make disciples. And finally, as we're emphasizing this month, through the Mission Georgia offering again, you are helping our State Baptist Mission Board share Jesus and make disciples as they meet people's needs in some very specific areas that we as Georgia Baptists believe God is calling us and equipping us to make a difference in Georgia. We pray... But we give. We put our money where our mouth is. We have skin in the game. We're investing in the work that God is doing here and around the world. But then thirdly, we can't stop there. Because it's real easy to pull out that wallet, to write that check, to put in that you know, bank account number into Realm and, and, and to have it, you know, to give every month that way. It's, it's easy to give and then to think, well, I've done what I can. But the Spirit also instructs us to go. We must go. Our church 
provides opportunities throughout the year for us to go on mission, literally around the world on the Honduras mission trip. Or we support the Kilpatrick Baptist Association. They take an Ecuador mission trip every year that you could be a part of. We go throughout the United States. We go to Gatlinburg, as the youth did this past weekend. And I want to, again, thank Jeff for preaching for me last week so I could be a part of that mission trip to Smoky Mountain Resort Ministries with our youth. Again, through the KBA, we can go to West Virginia. There are literal places we can go. We can go with disaster relief and in places like South Georgia or Florida and make a difference. But we also go locally. Go doesn't just mean you have to leave the state. Go means sometimes you just got to leave the house. Walk across the street. Look at your coworker, your classmate sitting next to you. And we also want to give you opportunities to go, to go locally through Mission McDuffie through Vacation Bible School and Upward Basketball, the drive-through nativity, our spring and fall festivals, wild game suppers, so many other ways that we as a church seek to go right here in our own community. And my hope that every one of us would be involved in at least one of these opportunities every year. Every year is not a reason why every one of us can't do at least one of these. Every year I'm not saying to do them all, but we should be able to do at least one of these every year. But again, because we're human, because we have a, 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 you know, a tendency to kind of mess this stuff up, uh, it's real easy for us to do something like go on a mission trip or help with drive-through nativity and check off the box. That's our one and done, I have done the Great Commission. I'm good for another year. Is that the way that works? No, it's not. The Greek word translated go in that verse is better translated as you go, as you are going. It has this active sense to it, this constant sense. What God is saying is we don't just intentionally go in these special opportunities. We intentionally go every day. We go about our life with intentionality. We go about every day to work, to school, to shop, to get our hair done. Whatever it is, we go with our eyes and ears open for the possibility that God would let us share the hope of Jesus with someone in desperate need to hear it. As we go. The Spirit enables us, the Spirit instructs us, and finally, the Spirit encourages us to make disciples. In Acts 9.31, it says that the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord, and what? Encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. Listen, making disciples and following Jesus can be messy. It can be risky. It can even be dangerous. It isn't formulaic. It isn't predictable. And so we need constant strengthening. We need constant peace. We need constant encouragement. And that comes to us through the Spirit. Jesus called the Spirit our comforter, our counselor. The Greek word is paraclete. It means one who comes alongside of. The Holy Spirit comes alongside us as a church and as individual Christians to walk with us, to guide us, to lift us up when we feel down, to encourage us to do what Christ has commissioned us to do. Going and telling and making disciples, listen, it requires a commitment. A commitment from every one of us to reach our neighbors and to reach the nations for Jesus. And to do that, it means we've got to pray, give, and go. 
to reach our neighbors and the nations. It means that we have to be prepared to engage other people in gospel conversations. It means that you should take some time and think through your testimony. If you had the opportunity to tell someone about Jesus, what would you say? Think about that. It means that, yeah, read, memorize some Scripture passages like the Roman road, John 3.16, something that can help you to share the gospel with someone. And it means that we should seek to be in one-on-one disciple-making relationships. Is there someone in your life that you're discipling? Someone that's younger in the faith? Someone that you're helping them walk closer to Jesus? Is there somebody that's helping you do that? We should be in these disciple-making relationships. And, and again, as pastors, as a church, we want to provide you with training opportunities. We want to give you resources to help you do all that. We want to provide these outreach initiatives throughout the year. But what I hope is that you've grasped the fact that it takes every one of us to reach this community for Jesus Christ. It takes every one of us to make a difference in this world, to reach the nations. Would you agree with me that this country and this world is in desperate need of Jesus? Now, He's going to come back someday. And He's going to display Himself to all the world. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But for many, that will be too late to make a difference in their eternal destiny. And they will be sent to a lake of fire for all eternity. So yeah, we can just say, Jesus, I wish you'd come right now and just show everybody who you are. But when he does that, he's coming in judgment. Through you and me, he wants to reveal himself to those who are lost and dying so they can be saved, so they can be forgiven, so they can have the peace and the joy of the Holy Spirit in their life. We are the body of Christ. We are his hands and his feet and his mouth. And He reveals Himself to a lost and dying world through us. Will you be a part of helping First Baptist Thompson do that? Will you pray for those around you that are lost? Will you pray for opportunities to share the gospel? Will you pray for those missionaries? Will you pray for your pastors in your church? Will you give? Will you give so that we can accomplish these opportunities and these missions around us so that we can send other people to go to parts of the world that we'll never touch? And will you go? Will you go to those that God has placed around you? Will you go by putting your hands to work, helping our church reach this community for Jesus? You know, maybe you're the one far from God this morning. Maybe you're the one that needs to believe the gospel today. That you are a sinner, you are a rebel against God, but that God in His infinite love and mercy sent His Son Jesus Christ to pay the penalty for your sins to take your shame upon Himself and die the death that you deserve so that you could be forgiven and made clean and made right with God. Is that you? Do you need to come and put your faith and trust in this gospel that we've been talking about today? If that's true, I invite you in just a moment to come right now. I'd love nothing more than to help you know that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life. Maybe you've done that, but you've never been baptized. Maybe you, you are Christians and God has brought you to this church and you've been worshiping with us, maybe even serving with us, and you know this is where God would have you to put your feet on the ground carrying the good news to others. This is where God would have you to serve and to make disciples. We invite you to come. Whatever God has laid on your heart this morning, listen. 
None of that applies. You're a Christian and you're baptized and you're a member of this church. Well, I guess I'm good. No. Maybe the decision you need to make is as you walk out this door to be serious about making disciples for Jesus. Listen, I would love it if we had to have a baptism every single Sunday. I would love it if, if, if we were just busting out the walls here because you were going out there and telling other people who Jesus is and what He's done in your life. Would you stand and pray with me? Father, we thank You for those people that shared the Gospel with us. Every one of us here today as Christians are here because someone took the time, a parent, a sibling, a friend, a youth pastor, a Sunday school teacher, somebody opened their mouth and shared with us who Jesus is and what He came to do and how we could come to faith in Him. And God, we are grateful for those men and women. God, You're calling us to be that person for someone else. Help us to have that same burden. Help us to have that same compassion that others had on us so that we can bring them to faith in Jesus Christ. May Your Spirit be at work preparing their hearts just as You prepare our mouths to proclaim the good news. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.